You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. For the next hour, you're listening to the Classic Auto Mall podcast, broadcast from the Classic Auto Mall studio in Morgantown, Pennsylvania. Classic Auto Mall is a world-class facility conveniently located just an hour west of Philadelphia on the Pennsylvania Turnpike. The building is over 336,000 square feet and is full of over 600 classics for sale and 300 barn finds on display. Check out all the inventory on the website, ClassicAutoMall.com. If you have any questions for our host or guest, email us at podcast at ClassicAutoMall.com during the live broadcast times of 9 a.m. to 10 a.m. Eastern on Saturdays. Now, on to the show with our host, the president of Classic Auto Mall, Stuart Howden. Steve, thank you so much, and welcome again to show number four. Um, we're we're technically getting through this. We're <laughs> we're we're figuring out all this high tech equipment that we've bought, and we know cars, and we know how to tinker with them. Uh, sometimes the uh, audio and and video and stuff can be uh, a little bit challenging, but we're getting it, and hopefully. Uh, Everyone's able to hear us this morning and uh, and and listen to the show. I'm sure there's three or four people at least out there listening. So uh, anyway, uh, last week we did a repeat because after our third show we needed a break. No, just kidding. After our third show, uh, we actually were going to be out of town and have some uh, other commitments. So we replayed our show number two. So this is technically our third show, but show number four. Um, Classic Auto Mall, for those of you who don't know, we're located in Morgantown, Pennsylvania. We're a consignment house. Uh, we've got a massive facility right on the turnpike uh, in Morgantown, which is about an hour uh, west of Philadelphia and an hour east of uh, Harrisburg and Hershey and Carlisle and all those fun car places that are close to us, which we've been, uh, the past couple of weeks, been at Carlisle and at Hershey, and we'll talk more about that later. But man, oh man, oh man, it's fun to get back to uh, doing a events where people are there and it's not uh, virtual it's live and it's swap meet stuff and it's so funny at, at these swap meets the guy's dragging the bumpers through the field and you know a door or a hood for a car that uh, he's been looking for forever and ever and ever in a day and uh, you know he finally finds the the perfect match for what he's been looking for and now he's got to get it to his car or his truck and that's across the way and across the field which is somewhat uh, uh, made it a limited market for for swap meets and things like that because a lot of people are you know gotten to the point where they want to go online and just click a button and the thing shows up whatever that thing is uh, to their house or business or wherever. So you think, well, well, you know, would swap meets still be going on? But yet they are. They're still popular. People. Massive amounts of people at Carlisle and at Hershey this past couple of weeks, and uh, it was it was encouraging to see people out and about. Number one, and that the fact that people still enjoy going to swap meets and digging through a pile of parts to find that one particular thing they're looking for—a bolt or a headlamp or a bracket or you know some type of engine part or something that they're looking for. So uh, very encouraging. We'll talk a little bit more about that and. You know, we've we've talked in our first couple of shows about how Classic Auto Mall got started and you know how I got in the business and got interested in classic cars. But the real true impetus of uh, Classic Auto Mall was the Branson Auto Museum that I had a partner in uh, Branson, Missouri. And Branson, Missouri is a tourist town in southwest Missouri, um, just close to the Arkansas border. And they see about six or seven million visitors a year. There's a, a wonderful uh, uh uh, outdoor recreation uh, things to do there lakes uh, uh, hiking and 
and uh, you know different things like that. But there's also live music theaters and attractions and go karts and mini golf and all that stuff. And so in uh, 2009 or 10, I can't remember. I think it was 2010. We started the Branson Auto Museum, which was an admission based uh, a museum. It was 36,000 square feet, an old outlet mall or an old uh, crafts mall, if you will right on the main strip in Branson. And we had about 110 cars in the building. Uh, they were all on consignment. They were set up in a museum display, but they were all for sale. And we charged admission for people to come in. And, and we did really well. And it was it was a, a great learning curve on, on how this business works from the retail side of it and also from, uh, from the attraction side of it and whether we wanted to be in the attraction business or not. And turns out that, long story short, we decided we didn't want to be in the attraction business we wanted to be in the car business and so had to do over again at the Branson Auto Museum I think we would probably have not charged admission we would have been the only free attraction in Branson which would be kind of a novel approach to uh, you know making money how would you make money a volume is what they would say I guess but uh, nonetheless we um, we were an admission-based attraction and we did really well it was uh, well received when we first started um, we we sold quite a few cars from there um, we consigned a lot of cars we were worried when we first started you know we were you're getting going and are you going to get enough cars to fill the building and you know when you don't have the bankroll to go out and just buy all these cars uh, you got to figure out a way to you know convince other people to bring you their cars and to sell them and what we found out is that nobody wants to sell their own car even back then so this was you know 10 11 years ago and uh, nobody wants to sell their own car because it's a headache and you know people come into your house at all hours of the day and night and calling you and want you to take a cashier's check because they're good as gold and they're not and uh, you know they want you to store it for a couple of weeks and there's so many pitfalls to it so we found that uh, that 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 was a viable business model now would we could we grow it to the size that we've grown this today? I don't think we ever dreamed that it would be that. I mean, we dreamed it, but we probably thought the reality of it is is that it would probably be hard to get that big, you know, to to get uh, to the scope and size that we would need to be to support a building the size that we're in. But lo and behold, with the Branson Auto Museum, we're in business, we're doing well, but we're we're you know we're cash is tight and struggling a little bit here and there, and we took on a partner. And uh, lo and behold, after about oh, six months of being a partner with this guy, the building got hit by a tornado. And about oh, two-thirds of the building was basically destroyed. And luckily, most of the cars survived. Uh, there was a handful that had some damage to them, but it wasn't as bad as we thought. And, of course, it, it felt omen-ish when you uh, have something like that happen. So we, we uh, obviously uh, decided to move on from the, the museum business. And he actually, our partner actually bought us out and ended up rebuilding the, the, the museum. And it's the Branson Auto and Farm Museum now. It's still going to this day. And he's since passed, but uh, it's still going. Uh, you know, uh, I, I don't know. Strong as ever would be the right term. I don't know how well they're doing or not doing, but it's still going on there. And he built a brand new building on the on the side. It was four acres. Um, uh, the property was, and he built that. Uh, oh, it's going on probably eight or nine years ago. It was done, and uh, so you know divine intervention or whatever happened so we ended up moving on and ended up you know in a circuitous route or whatever uh ended up here in pennsylvania so uh and of course what we found out in pennsylvania is is that it's car culture 
as strong here as it is anywhere in the world. I would say I would measure this against California, Southern California, Arizona, South Florida. There are car people just galore around here. And of course the, you know, the, the, the highlight of, of this time of year for us is the two big events that are going on that are within basically in our backyard an hour away. Carlisle, uh, which is Carlisle events and, in Carlisle, Pennsylvania, and then Hershey, which is in Hershey, Pennsylvania. And, uh, you know, both of those uh, towns are just have become synonymous with collector cars. You know, we uh, people that show up, it's just amazing. They come from all over the world. Although uh, this year wasn't quite as many people from all over the world as in the past because of restrictions on travel and, and different things like that, which is unfortunate because, you know, that's an important part of, uh, of the hobby is not just what happens here in the U.S., but what happens all over the world. It's a global market that we're in uh, with these classic cars. And, um, you know, it's, it's one of those things that when, when the, the overseas buyers can't come here and the Canadian buyers can't come down, it does have an impact. Although I can tell you that both Carlisle and Hershey had wonderful crowds. Uh, maybe not quite as busy as they have been in the past, but uh, certainly very, uh, uh, very robust crowds, very positive uh, energy from everyone. And of course, the collector car market is as strong as it's ever been right now, at least in our perspective. Uh, I don't know if everybody's seeing that, but uh, we're certainly seeing that in, in, uh, in what we're doing here in, in Morgantown. And, you know, if things like Hershey and Carlisle are the, you know, the bellwether of, of what's going on in the, in the hobby, then I think we're in good shape for another 10 or 15 or 20 years or however long, uh, this will continue going. But, uh, you know, when you, it's funny, you go to these auctions, uh, and, and car events and concours and all these different things. And each one of them's kind of got a different crowd. You know, Carlisle does an auction on thir- or Wednesday and th- you know, Thursday and Friday, um, during their swap meet and uh you know the swap meet people are swap meet people and the auction people are auction people and some are crossover but a lot of them are just they're one or the other you know they're they're they're, it's just a different kind of crowd set but uh but carlisle seemed to do really well we bought a car actually which is unusual for us we don't normally buy cars but uh we bought something that I'll probably lose money on, but that's okay. <laughs> it's still, it's still fun to be a part of the hobby. But uh, they did really well, and then Hershey has the swap meet, and also they have RM Auctions uh, does their auction, uh, which uh, ended. They it was Thursday night and Friday night. Uh, it ended last night, and they run from six p.m. till ten p.m. or or somewhere along that uh, line. And and of course, you know, everybody tries to second guess what the auction results mean about the business, but. I can tell you, my buddy was looking at a 1909 Peerless, and I think the estimate on it was a hundred thousand to a hundred and fifty thousand. And he thought, boy, if I could buy that for a hundred and ten plus the commission, boy, I'd really be doing well. I think it the hammered at two sixty. So, <laughs> you know, this business, even for people like RM who are as knowledgeable about classic cars and especially earlier stuff, they're very knowledgeable. And of course, this was a 1909. Um, you know, even then, they they had a prediction of what they thought it could do and and what 
what number it would do, and it eclipsed that, you know, significantly. I mean, by $110,000 over what their high estimate. And, of course, what these auction companies do is they put estimates on uh, the cars and where they think the value is going to be or where they think the hammer is going to fall on them. And sometimes they are spot on. I mean, sometimes it's amazing sometimes how spot on they are. Uh, and then other times stuff will just go crazy above that. So hard to predict. They sold uh, the Green Hornet Duesenberg that they had there last night, which was really a beautiful car. And Duesenberg seemed to be very hot right now. And although this one didn't do the five point whatever million that the one in uh, uh, Amelia Island did this year, uh, it did a million five. It was the 31 Model J Duesenberg Roadster. Uh, the Green Hornet, and uh, it was from a famous collection. Um, you know, it's a full CCCA classic, which is the Classic Car Club of America full classic. And there's a limited list of cars that are that are full CCCA cars. And uh, you know, just a, a dynamic car that uh, I think will always be popular. It's more maybe more art than car, but uh, you know, that's okay. That's uh, that's part of the hobby as well too. I mean. That's the beauty of this hobby is that the guy who has the 85 El Camino and the guy who has the 31 Duesenberg are both equally as passionate about the hobby, equally as passionate about their car and their their baby. And so and we get that and we we love that and we're not uh we we don't look down our nose at inexpensive cars or or starter cars in the hobby because you know it, it everybody has to start somewhere. I know lots of guys who are high-end collectors now who are um you know very successful and you know they started out buying really inexpensive cars and fixing them up and flipping them and and moving you know moving on and getting a little bit better quality of inventory as they go so uh when we come back we're going to talk to our chief engineer and producer and car specialist apparently now he's going to be a car specialist for us steve Safir, and uh, we're going to talk to him about uh, some car stuff that uh he's observed steve used to have a, a radio show called car smarts uh, radio and we'll talk about that and what that's evolved into uh, since then and uh, and talk about some other things and trends in the market and uh, dream car garage and all that good stuff so we'll be back after the break and uh, talk to steve hello my name is rick white and i'm the director of the georgia military veterans hall of fame i want to encourage all georgia veterans to consider being nominated to the georgia military veterans hall of fame and if you are a georgia veteran and the definition of a georgia veteran is either you were born in the state of georgia or you've lived here 10 years or you were raised your right hand joined the military in this state you are considered a georgia veteran for further information go to www.gmbhof.org or you can contact me at 678-427-0915 we'd love to have your nomination for the georgia military veterans hall of fame thank you so much Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we are back, uh, live from Classic Auto Mall Studio here in Morgantown, Pennsylvania, with uh, our our guest and chief engineer and uh, producer and car collector and all the other things in the book. Oh, a car specialist, too. He's now the car specialist. So if you have a wonderful car to consign, 
Steve is your guy. In the Philadelphia region. Yeah, exactly. Steve, good morning. Call me up. Good morning. <laughs> great to be here as always. Well, it's great to have somebody who would be willing to be a guinea pig on this <laughs> thing we're trying to pull off here. I'm sure there's three or four listeners out there. Yeah, well. One's my wife. One's my... Now that I'm on the show, we'll, we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll get, get five or six. Yeah, at least. We'll, we'll, <laughs> we'll keep growing. So we're going to, you know, slow walk this. I'm afraid to ask all my famous friends to be on here yet because, you know, I don't have enough of an audience. They're going to think, well, we're not going to be on it, It's a catch-22. Do you want to have them on to build the audience quickly exactly. or do you wait for the audience to build uh, either way will and so and everybody i've talked to and i've run into a lot of famous people in the car world if you will um wayne carini uh, mm-hmm. we saw last week and he said i'd love to be on the show corky coker who was uh the former ceo and president of coker tire out of chattanooga which we're going to be broadcasting live which <laughs> this will be fun <laughs> you're going to really try to broadcast live on our fifth show from a remote location uh yeah sure why not why we're going to go from tennessee to pennsylvania triangulate with Good. georgia yeah because our if, if those of you don't know we broadcast through americaswebradio.com I forgot to mention that earlier and uh, and that's our live feed and then it's archived on Spotify and iTunes and Podcastville and any other one of those that's right. things that we don't really understand but we're learning about uh, I say I don't I'm the one who doesn't understand I'm the old old guy of the group so uh, but anyway uh, we're going to be in Chattanooga next week and we're going to be talking cars and hopefully we'll have an interesting guest on and like you said you know it's the catch 22 uh you know, maybe having somebody famous would draw more of a crowd to our show, and maybe not. We don't know. Mm-hmm. But uh, but Steve has been in the radio business for a number of years as well, too, and other kinds of media and outlets and acting, maybe. Yeah, yeah. A yeah. Little, little bit of- Studied a little improv in Los Angeles for a number of years, yeah, okay. and uh, I thought I was Tom Cruise, and I would be competing with those guys, but it uh, didn't come to be, but it wasn't meant to be. So I hear you. <laughs> I lived in Los Angeles for a period of time, but I wasn't there for acting, although I guess everybody else was. Uh, right. It's like Branson, Missouri. You, everybody you meet is, no, oh, I'm a guitar player. Oh, really? <laughs> or, or an Elvis tribute artist. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. We had lots of those. <laughs> lots of Elvis. Know? And it's amazing the following that the Elvis tribute. Oh, uh, we could do a whole show on Elvis <laughs> uh, tribute artists. Unbelievable. But uh, American Trilogy is my favorite okay. song. And is... I can watch that video from Live from Honolulu or whatever it is. That's my thing. Sitting on on my couch at night, I don't watch TV. I watch old concerts, and and it's not you know Elvis is a little bit earlier than my uh, generation. I was more into the seventies and and eighties stuff, mm-hmm. uh, but uh, still appreciate a lot of things that he did, and and I loved his car collecting. Uh, Ooh, we're going to talk about yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. So, um, so you got what got you interested in cars, Steve? Well, I think like uh, probably a lot of people who come through these doors at Classic Auto Mall, uh, it's my, it was my father. Right. Um, he had the good fortune of growing up a stone's throw away from the Holbert Garage. And uh, we'll talk more about the Holberts because they just had a big event to uh, designate uh, a, a, really a, a sign, a historic sign to the Holbert Racing team. And uh, Holbert was in Warrington, Pennsylvania, which is in Bucks County, central Bucks County. My dad would walk through a field every day at, you know, maybe 18, 19 years old and begin working, wrenching on cars and learning from the master, Bob Holbert, wow. who eventually began uh, importing MGs and Porsches and became one of the first Volkswagen dealerships in the country. And uh, my dad was right there from wow. 50, probably 54 to 
to 59, six, uh, 1960. Early, early. Yeah. I remember Holbert back in the IMSA days with the 962 Porsches. That's right. We'd go to Road Atlanta at Turn 9 and just watch those cars come through there. So, And that's another racing dynasty that was from Pennsylvania. You got Penske and you got Holbert. So. Donahue. Uh, I mean, there's there's a number of – I mean, I've always wanted to sort of – it's sort of my dream to really do a documentary on the, the history of racing in southeastern Pennsylvania because it's rich history. And it, and it really, the Holbert is just the tip of the, tip sure. of the iceberg. Well, and all the tracks that we have around here. I mean, seven miles from here as the crow flies is Maple Grove, which is arguably one of the coolest right. drag strips. And historic. And historic. Not as cool, though, as Bristol Thunder Valley, which is in a valley, <laughs> which is really loud and crazy. But but no, but it's really spectacular. And it's funny to go to Maple Grove. You're driving down a two-lane, you know, a, a, a lovely little drive through the country. And then all of a sudden there's, you know, 6,000 horsepower nitro. <laughs> I don't even know. I'm making up numbers. As loud, loud. Yeah. Loud and, and the methane and the and the, the sound mm-hmm. and the thunder that you feel. I mean, it's nothing like you've ever seen. But back to the racing stuff in, in southeast Pennsylvania. I mean, not only that, then you got Yanko was Pennsylvania. I mean, oh, it goes on and the list yeah. goes on and on. There's enough to do a, a two-hour documentary alone. We should do that. Uh, we should. <laughs> We should. We're looking for sponsors. Um, By the way, but you know, my dad was involved with those the Holberts in the early days, and I have pictures of them at this place called Baker's Acre, which was an which was a housing development that was sort of in process and it wasn't finished in Huntington Valley, uh, Montgomery County. And there are pictures, and it was a loop road. Right. It's now a, a full development. Houses built in the late fifties, early sixties. But those guys used to take their cars out there. Uh, meet out there on Sunday and just drive around this loop just to do time trials and, and test their vehicles. And that was perfectly legal, right? Um, <laughs> right. They, they know all the police. You know, yeah. it was a different time. You was, know? Uh, well, hey, listen, we grew up in uh, I grew up in East Tennessee in Knoxville, and uh, our dirt track. Our, we all rode motocross bikes when we were kids, and the dirt tracks were usually the house that never got completely finished, <laughs> right. and it had a basement dug out, and you could make all these jumps and things. And there was tracks all over our neighborhood, little small little tracks that were just our little places, and nobody bothered us and we didn't have nobody had a license and nobody had headlights or taillights or turn signals or any of that so we just went out and you know did our thing and didn't hurt anybody by golly that's the way it was that's (laughs) nobody got hurt and they had a good time and, and tested their cars nearby and and uh, so that was that was his life. And then uh, he met my uh, mother in, at a country club in Warrington and uh, settled down, became domesticated. But he still worked in the automotive industry. Sure. He was always with Volkswagen. He was with Subaru, which was Sabaro, actually, in the early days right, when right. they brought these little 360s. Yeah. Uh, Malcolm Bricklin was involved with that little project. Wow. And uh, he was involved with that, setting up dealerships across the East Coast for Subarus. And... Um, you know, that's where I picked it up from. I'm not. I'm certainly not the wrencher that my father was. Right. I have his tools. Half of them I don't know what they do, but uh, I appreciated his talent, and uh, he taught us a lot. Me and my brother taught us quite a bit about cars. I love the old ads of Subaru. The Cadillacs love the Subarus. Remember, it was the Cadillac was the name of a group. It was like a oh. R and B type group, and it says the Cadillacs love Subaru. You know, I mean, it was great play on words, kind of a Volkswagen esque advertising okay. campaign that was really funny. I'll have to do some more research yeah. on that. So, so tell me, what was your first car? First car was a dream car. Uh, it was a 79 Trans Am. Got it in high school. My parents obviously helped me buy it. Uh, it was, that was 1981, and the car had, I think, 18,000 miles on it or something like that. It was Atlantis Blue, right. 403, Rochester Quadrajet. Right. It was, abs- I mean, I was a senior in high school driving a Trans Am to school. And note that 
high school. I used to walk to high school. <laughs> so to have a Trans Am and drive that quarter mile or whatever it was, oh, man. Uh, was the life. I, I absolutely love that car. Kept it for almost 10 years. Wow. Uh, and I should have, I should have kept it. I know. Well, and, and I had the same similar experience. My first, well, my first car was actually uh, my mother's Buick LeSabre. That was, I inherited that. Wow. That's what we had. Yeah. My mom had the LeSabre, 1974 Buick LeSabre. Okay. Lexus. Uh-huh. So not to be outdone with the proletarian little it was actually a four-door hardtop wow yeah which was really cool with a 455 and she couldn't figure out why it made this louder noise when we flipped the breather over so Uh it would go and so we would do that and then forget to change it back but we would i had i literally was driving i I can't even believe that i'm saying this out loud Mm -hmm. at 15 years old i Mm -hmm. literally didn't have a license but eastern tennessee eastern tennessee (laughs) (laughs) boy there was some tone in that um so I was driving back then, and so yep. then, uh, as I, I turned sixteen, and then my grandfather, who was did pretty well, and and you know was always we'd always talked about cars, and he liked cars a lot. He always had a brand new Eldorado, mm-hmm. and uh, he he was a car guy, but not a you know he didn't like Jaguars or anything like that. But he woke me up on Christmas Day of nineteen seventy eight. I turned sixteen in March, and still had that Buick, and said. Go find a car. Wow. And I called my buddy. Nice. I said, oh, man, we're going. We're going to find a car. Yeah. And, uh, of course, found a Trans Am 76, wow. 455 four-speed Trans Am. And, uh, you know, that, the rest was history. I thought I was the coolest thing ever. And uh, I thought that, uh, you know, it couldn't be any better than to have a Trans Am. Of course, all my friends thought I was a redneck back in the day. <laughs> and now, of course, you know, the even funnier thing about that is, is they all have Trans Ams or want Trans Ams. That's right. So now they're like, they've come full circle. So I always remind them that, you know, they kind of gave me grief. Although I took mine, had it painted charcoal gray and removed all the graphics. So it didn't say Trans Am on it. It had this, you know, the hood scoop, had the side vents, it had the rear spoiler, mm-hmm. it had the wheel uh, extensions, but it did not say Trans Am and it didn't have the infamous screaming eagle or screaming chicken, chicken as right. they, they would like to call it. Yep. And it was really stealthy looking and mm-hmm. it was really cool. And it was... Um, I love that car, and I wish I'd have kept it. And I kept it for years and actually drove it to L.A. in 1981 when I moved down there. That? And it got me there somehow. I had <laughs> It was a funny story. It was the last minute uh, I was trying – I got a transmission put in it because I'd gone through every – you know, gone through quite a few wow. transmissions and, uh, and drove it to L.A. with no radio. <laughs> And that was, it, it took me 49 wow. hours to get from Knoxville, Tennessee to Los Angeles, California. Wow. And I'll finish more of that story when we come back. Uh, in our next segment, we'll be talking to Steve Safir, our chief engineer and uh, producer and car specialist when we return to the Classic Auto Mall podcast. Ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls of all ages, join me, Roger B., every Tuesday at 1400 hours right here on America's Web Radio for the Locked and Loaded Show. We will talk about guns, weapons, ammo, gun accessories, prepping, and so much more. So be sure to join us every Tuesday at 1400 or 2 p.m. for Locked and Loaded on America's Web Radio. Whether cruising the strip at a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. Hey folks, this is Victor with the On Point with Victor Show. Make sure you listen every Tuesday 1 to 2, only right here on America's Web Radio, the On Point with Victor Show. Remember folks, I'm not angry. 
I'm just right. And you can find out why every Tuesday from 1 to 2, the On Point with Victor show, only right here on America's Web Radio. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. And we are back with the Classic Auto Mall podcast, live from beautiful, sunny downtown Morgantown, <laughs> Pennsylvania. I don't know. It's not sunny. I can actually see out the window, though. This is better than my office because my office has no windows. So how am I supposed to know that it's lunchtime? You know, my wife always gets mad at me. She's like, you know, it's 1 o'clock and we haven't had lunch. I go, I thought it was still like 9.30 in the morning. They keep you in the dark over yeah, there. You do like a mushroom. <laughs> anyway, we were talking about cars. And so I moved to L.A. and I drove this car to L.A., my Trans Am. And it got me there, but with no radio. And I did it in 48 hours. And I was delirious by the time I got mm-hmm. there. And the guy I was going to work with or work for, uh, my other, my best friend in the world uh, from Knoxville, Alan, was already out there working for this guy and so i was i had gotten a job with him as well too so i didn't really realize what we were getting into but i was young and i didn't care and i was moving to los angeles california (laughs) so when i pulled up i pulled up on colorado boulevard in front of the rolls royce dealership and my buddy was there in a 928 porsche and this was 81 so they'd only been out for about two or three years and I'd never even seen one in Knoxville so and i know the hillbilly thing no but (laughs) so anyway and he says Oh, man, I'm so glad you're here. What do you want to do? And I've just driven 48 hours. I've taken three boxes of Nodos. I'm about to pry my fingers off the steering wheel, and I go, we're cruising, and I'm driving that 928. And so we got in the 928 cruise Sunset Strip and all over California. So I'm sure you had a similar experience going to California, too, right? Well, I I – did take my Trans Am. Right. I packed up everything I needed, and it all fit in the Trans Am. That tells you how little I had when I was uh, 19 and moving to Los Angeles. Now I, I would need a couple of tractor trailers. Right. But uh, but uh, similar experience. My radio did work. Uh, I had a bone stock Trans Am. I didn't I didn't mess with it other than right. other than the new transmission. But uh, I'll tell you a funny story in L.A. One of the I went to the supermarket like the first night I was there. Alpha Beta on Fairfax and Santa Monica Boulevard. I know exactly where that is. Jay Leno. No kidding. In, in the, on a motorcycle. Where getting you know leaving the line and putting his right, helmet, right. helmet on that was the first celebrity i saw oh so oh, great. And maybe cars are destined to destined to be in my uh, well life. yeah because and we didn't even we wouldn't he wasn't even a car guy i mean he was a car guy but we didn't know that's right back he, then. oh he was young comedian yeah, yeah he was just work you know they uh, the stories are funny about them working their way through the comedy you know comedy store mm-hmm. and, and leno and seinfeld and and all of those guys and they were all buddies and hung out and that's right all that and you know well my famous claim to flame was at the rainbow bar and grill which uh-huh. is my favorite hangout and of course here i in khaki pants and a, an Izod shirt hanging out with all the rockers from Motley Crue and That's Metallica great. and all the not and I say hanging out loosely I mean I was there and they were there but we weren't together there but one night I went to the rainbow early like at about eight o'clock and I ordered a Jack Daniels and water and I'm sitting there drinking it and I hear the bartender say oh the guy next to you just ordered the Jack Daniels and water and I turned and it was David Lee Roth from no Van Halen unbelievable and he and I and he, they were my favorite band at the time and uh you know they were our, our band we thought in the u.s uh, of a right and so we sat and chatted for a couple of hours and there's a whole funny story about that i'll get into one of these days so well, I've, I've told you this story off off the air but uh one of my first another early experience in la i know it was early because i was clubbing and uh, i met my wife pretty early and we we uh became a couple pretty early so this is pre-wife right. and i was at a club where they used to have a bruce springsteen night they called it boss night and it may have been the rainbow or the roxy right. one of those clubs and uh they were closing down two o'clock in the morning, whatever. And I was standing out in the parking lot and who's standing there under the influence, but right. Michael J. Fox. Oh. 
and I look up on Sunset Boulevard, and there is the DeLorean and the ad for oh my Back God. to the Future right behind him. I wish I had a camera at that, that point. I know. The, with these cell phones nowadays, you get you exactly. know, you get pictures of everything, and there's so many opportunities. I mean, I could have had a picture of me and David Lee Roth exactly. sitting at the bar drinking right. and good stuff. I can't prove it. Yeah, exactly. So, and, and that leads me to remember that we'll have to tell some funny stories that are famous-related but not necessarily car-related. I have some really good ones. I yep. told one the, the other night. But anyway... Back to this whole reason that we're here Mm -hmm. is cars and obsessions and things like that. And you have a a little bit of an obsession with uh, some turbo V6s? Turbo turbo truck, turbo V6s. You know, I I had the Trans Am in Los Angeles. And uh, a buddy, I thought it was a fast car, right. you know, when, <laughs> and my my buddy said, let's go race. And he had a Buick Grand National. This right. is 1988 that right. just came out. So it was an 87. Right. And he just wiped yeah. the floor with my, I mean, <laughs> and I was doing everything I could. I floored, you know, I had all barrels going. Right. Anyway, so I go, that's unbelievable. And he goes, he hands me the keys, Hollywood, 10 o'clock at night. He goes, here, take it for a spin. And I saw that little digital boost meter on the Buick Grand National light up and I was sold. I said, first of all, we're, we're a Buick family too. We had LeSabres. Right. We had a 68 and a 77. And I know you got one, uh, maybe a 74 yeah, here. Yeah, right here, the four-door, the, yeah. the tan. So I'm attracted to LeSabres yeah. and Buicks. And Especially said, in the tan color. That's really, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's period correct. Period correct, yes. Uh, and I, I was sold. And so uh, that's what I eventually sold my Trans Am for is to buy Buick Grand right. National. I got Still a, in California? or That was in California, yeah. yep, yep. And I would go to all the Buick shows and win because I was the only Grand National that showed up. Right. Really, uh, I knew it was special. And I thought it was going to be a daily driver. I told my wife, this is going to be a great family car. We'll have kids. And they'll sit in the bag. No. As as soon as I got it, I realized that this was something special. I had that for about 10 years, moved east, and, um, you know, picked up a Cyclone and a Typhoon and a couple of those and just got into trucks. Right. And realized that, uh, you know, there's something different about having that kind of power in a pickup truck. Yeah, with no rear weight at all. (laughs) Or an SUV or something like that. exactly. Oh, the Typhoon was amazing. It It was so cool. And it's funny now when you drive either a Typhoon or a Cyclone or even the Turbo V6 Trans Ams of the 89 89 yeah uh they're weird they're almost like a golf cart they're this weird linear power Mm -hmm. feel it's Mm -hmm. it almost doesn't feel normal like a golf cart you know instant torque in a golf cart electric or electric car you know uh, a tesla or whatever i mean that's the that's the beauty of that that people don't realize is that all the torque is right there from from second one yeah exactly so um uh so What's your take on the future of the uh, of this hobby and what's going to happen next? I've told people this a million times. I think classic auto mall is the future of classic cars. Sure. I think this is the way that uh, the next generation is going to be exposed to classic cars through a big facility where guys have said, you know what, I'm – I'm 90 years old. I've had a great life, great time with this car. It's just too much for me now. My kids don't want it. Mm-hmm. Let me put it in a place where they'll find the niche audience for it. And this is the perfect setting for, and I think there's going to be classic auto malls incorporated across the country <laughs> because this is the, the ideal situation for classic cars because the people who come through these doors are looking uh, at classic. They love cars. Uh, they might not be looking for a specific type of car, but when you come in here, the variety is incredible. Yeah. And I think it's just a great, it's like a museum right. for sale. For sale, exactly. Exactly. Well, and I love it when they, I had a guy tell me, this is something you never tell a car salesman. 
So, and we call our guys car specialists. And, and truthfully, it's not a play on words or anything mm-hmm. like that or trying to be cutesy. It's about that we want them to be helpful to the client. But the guy, the guy came in oh, a couple of weeks ago and he said, uh, I got 40 grand and I don't know what I'm going to buy, but I'm going to buy something. <laughs> <laughs> oh, is that, mm, is that music to my ears? What? You, do what? You're going to buy yeah, something? Oh, okay. that is, that is yeah. gold. Like, Let me show. And you know, what we tell people all the time is, look, we're not going to sell you a car that you don't need. You know, you come in for, with your 16-year-old son. We're not putting him in the 700-horsepower Hellcat. And I don't even know what horsepower a Hellcat has, mm-hmm. but it's a lot. It's more than I need. My, my Trans Am was 220, and I thought I was... <laughs> 175. Yeah, Ricky Racer. Right, know. right. Um, but, you know, and we had, we've had we had clients try to buy something for their daughter because they thought it was cute and she would love it. And it doesn't have any lock brakes. And it doesn't have airbags. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't have a stereo. And That's it, right. You know, it's like, wait a minute, come on. That's not what your daughter, A, is going to enjoy. So you're going to turn her off of the hobby before you turn her on to the hobby. And and it's not safe. Put her in something safe and have an extra car that you guys can enjoy for the weekends or whatever. And you can teach her how to drive a manual transmission or something, but don't put it in as your everyday driver. And that's what my guys are trained to do. You know, when we do a walk around on a car, which is basically either on FaceTime or just on the phone and we're talking to a guy about a car, I tell all six of my car specialists, look, you work for the guy on the other end of the phone at that time. You don't work for me. You tell him everything you see about that car, good, bad, or ugly, mm-hmm. because, you know, the guy's in California. Don't don't make him have to get on an airplane. Tell him everything. So when the car comes to him, this is our sweet spot, and the guy says the perfect words for me to hear is the car was a little bit nicer than you described. I, that's my sweet spot exactly. because then I, then I know that the guy is happy with the car. It's a little better than we described. If it's a lot better than we described, then we've left money on the table for the consigner. We have two masters. We have the consigner and the buyer. And if it's not as nice, then we've lied to him. Mm-hmm. So, And as good as we are, and we go through the cars as thoroughly as anybody possible, we still can miss things. You right. know, there's things sure. that happen. So, um, But it's a fantastic hobby. It really is. It, and and it's know. alive and well. I'm not saying that it's, it's ending and that every car is going to be stuck, sure. stuck in a mall. But I, I think this is a great alternative for those who, who love cars, who want to see cars, and maybe who want to come in and purchase one. Sure. And I love the auction business. Don't get me wrong. Mm-hmm. I, I'm ex- it's exciting. It's dynamic. I, to me, it's more enjoyable than a car show on a folding chair behind my car i enjoy the activity i enjoy the you right. know, watching the guys bid and outfox each other and all that and it's really a lot of fun but it's not for everybody mm-hmm. you know it's it's i mean i've made mistakes i have literally poured over a car looked at a car through and through the car comes across the block i start raising my hand realizing that it's not the same car mm-hmm. it's the same looking car that's right but it's not the exact same car. It's right. not the one with 4,000 miles. It's the one with 44,000 miles on it. And right. all of a sudden. So it's easy to make mistakes in this business and and in the auction side of it. Mm-hmm. So this is a different version. And I hope I love auctions, and I hope they continue for as long as this hobby continues. And I think it's a compliment, a hand-in-hand thing. You've got the Meekums and the RMs mm-hmm. and the Goodings and all the different factions of auction companies out worldwide. My buddy's up in Auburn. And, mm-hmm. and it's a fantastic part of the hobby. But uh, – it's not for the faint of heart. That's right. You know, That's right. easy to buy there, but a little bit more difficult to sell there. So, um, so, <laughs> you know, I was I was talking. You we were talking earlier about the uh, Baker's Acre, Baker's Acre, and, uh, and and the history of the sports car racing. And I think we should do that documentary. I, I, well, we, we can talk about it. Yeah. I, th- I think it, it really started with. A, I was just going to do a, a one hour thing about Baker's Acre. There's actually some uh, historic footage of it and everything. I just think it's a fascinating story that guys right. would just go to this this unfinished 
housing development subdivision really and race around the track and that's how they tested their car sure. so there's there's something there but that happened all over the state you right. know that ha- has there ever been a book written about that or no anything? no not at all not at all it's it's not really well known it's so uh, don't steal our idea people are <laughs> you three people that are listening right so um so i like this idea i like the, yeah and cool. it's it stemmed from uh a lot of those guys, uh, Holbert, um, Jack Thompson, who was pretty well known in, in southeastern PA, were these sort of racers in that area. And um, they, uh, yeah, I mean, they, this is how they got their their start. So if I fund it, I can be Holbert in the movie? Is that what we're saying? Because, <laughs> I, I, you know, I have, a, I have a voice for TV and a face <laughs> for radio. <laughs> Absolutely. I should say that in, in 1953, they started a club called the Old York Road Sports Car Club. Right. That was Jack Thompson, Bob Holbert, and a bunch of others. And that club still exists. Wow. Uh, it's, it's a private club, and it only has 35 members. My father was the secretary in 57 and 58, so right. I get to see all the old notes. Books. And I'm now a member of that club, and I'm living that history right. through this club. And uh, it's just amazing how, how much they know about well, sports cars. And, the, and there's a New York faction of a club that's similar to that, mm. the Chowder System. What is that? Uh, I'll have to do some research right. on that and bring that up in the next one. Yeah, I, th- I love it when I bring up something and then I cannot remember any <laughs> reference point to it or why. Welcome to my world. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's like, have you ever opened up Google because you want to Google something <laughs> and then you can't remember what you were going to Google? 100%. Like, I like, what? I just, when I went down to the office to get the stand for the lab, Top before the show started, I went down there and I'm standing there going, I have no idea what I've come here for. <laughs> more, more coffee, more donuts. Yeah, those Dunkin' Munchkins. <laughs> if I talk about them enough, could I get free Munchkins? Sponsored, that, sponsored yeah, by Dunkin'. Yeah, yeah, we need to have some spot. And now I saw a sign for Dunkin' Donuts that says D N K N. What is that? Oh yeah, mean? they're abbreviating. Well, it's it's to. You know, like the, KFC or the new generation knows how to text, <laughs> right. and so everything's abbreviated. Is that right, Ethan? Yeah, Ethan knows that. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So everything is is short shorthand. Our assistant producer and assistant engineer, Ethan uh, Steve's son, yeah, uh, who's joining us here, who we make references about things that happened in the '60s, and he looks at us like, <laughs> "What are you dinosaurs he, talking about?" He's pretty hip, but the, there's some things like uh, Sanford and Son we were talking yeah. about earlier. He yeah. looked at us like we were about holding the heart and saying, "I'm coming to <laughs> Elizabeth, visit you, Elizabeth." You know, what a funny show <laughs> that was. But so politically incorrect on some of these old shows. All the old shows, right? The Jeffersons? The Jeffersons, which was a spinoff of uh, All in the Family. Right, right. And uh, all those things, so politically incorrect (laughs) and so funny. But, you know, I mean, listen, at the end of the day, um, we hope that what Classic Automall podcast and what our facility does is make people smile and make people happy Mm -hmm. and not be politically incorrect. No politics here. No politics, no religion. That's the beauty of the car world. doesn't matter. Your background, everybody, you can go anywhere in the country, go to a car show, and you're with people the same like, same mindset. It's amazing. Here's what's Regarding really, cars. here's what's really amazing. So the guy who bought the Duesenberg last night in, at Hershey at the RM auction, million five, hmm. and I didn't see him or or who he was, but I was walking out to go to the restroom in between you know car or whatever, and a couple came walking out, and she, and the wife had a big smile on her face, and I said. Are y'all having fun? And she goes, oh, yeah. I said, did you buy something? And she said, yeah, the Duesenberg. And I mm. went, whoa. And I stopped and talked to him. And, man, they had grins on their face. And they were, I don't know, in their probably 70s maybe. Mm-hmm. And they were like kids. Right. They had grins on their faces. They were so excited. Mm-hmm. They had bought this car. And, I mean, I can't imagine raising your hand at a million five. <laughs> I mean, that's got to be a jittery feeling, you know? It is. It's exciting. It's, the adrenaline, oh, you know, even – that's the success of auctions, I think, mm-hmm. is that adrenaline It is. Rush. It's a whole event. Yeah, really. it really is. And then you get the two guys who are just, you know, mm-hmm. in battle with each other. Exactly. You know? And uh, do they pay too much? Well, 
I always say, or they bought too early. You know, mm-hmm. maybe ten years from now, is it going to seem like too much? I have a buddy of mine who's a collector in Southwest uh, Missouri, and, and he always says that. He says, "Yeah, I didn't, I didn't pay too much. I just bought it too early." You know, <laughs> so in ten years from now, but you never know. And we keep saying certain prices of things are going to go up or down, or uh, you know, who knows? Mm-hmm. And uh, you know, at the end of the day, who knows what the prices of anything is going to be? I mean, it's it, true. It could change tomorrow so uh when we return uh we'll talk about some things uh that are classic automall related and uh talk to steve a little bit more and uh and we'll see you on the flip side my name is kyle hayes a motorsports student at alfred state college every year alfred state students compete in the great race which is a cross-country time endurance rally for vintage vehicles as you can imagine it's pretty costly i'm asking for your help Your donation can make it possible for these students to live their passion and promote the vintage automobile industry. Please visit our site at give.alfredstate.edu and search Great Race to learn more and help us reach our goal. Thank you. If you live to serve and want to make an even bigger difference, consider joining the U.S. Army. With training in fields like medical care, linguistics, and engineering, an Army career can amplify your efforts with humanitarian opportunities all over the world. Plus, you'll receive competitive pay and incredible benefits, so you'll be taken care of, too. Learn more at GoArmy.com. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Oh, we're back. Hey, yep. <laughs> how you how you doing? Uh, so we've talked about doing some segments and different things on the show. And as we grow it, we're going to add music and we're going to add a spokesperson girl thing. I don't know. We're going to figure this out, right? Well, I, I, as I said, I, this place lends itself to YouTube and, and visual because it's such a visual sure. place that we're going to have you know, walkthroughs and uh, talk about particular cars, highlight individual cars going forward. So be sure to... Be sure to subscribe to the YouTube channel. There, it is up there, Classic yep. Auto Mall, and uh, we're going to populate that pretty soon. Yeah, and also our newsletter uh, on our website. Uh, you can sign up for our newsletter, and it's only once a month. I only bore you one time a month. I'll write a little <laughs> article. I've been writing articles for the AACA Speedster, and of course, that's intimidating. Oh, by the way, you got to write an article, and when does it do? Tomorrow. Oh, great. <laughs> but I've actually started coming up. With all these article ideas, and and we'll talk about some of these uh, as we go forward uh, with the show, and and uh, you know benefits of consigning your vehicle versus selling it yourself. Um, we'll talk about preparing your vehicle for sale mm-hmm. or consignment. One of the things that you need to do, and the pitfalls that you look out for. But we were one of the segments we wanted to do is talk about where the cars that we sold in the past week went. So last Saturday through Friday, uh, we sold one, two, three, four, uh, sold 27 That's cars. That's unbelievable. And listen to some of the places that we sold to. This is what's So crazy. not just Pennsylvania. Oh, no, no, no. And there's quite a few that are Pennsylvania. Right. And that, of course, makes sense. Not everybody feels comfortable buying from a long distance. Sure. So they might want to buy within a 200, 300-mile range mm-hmm. just so they can go and look at the car and put their hands on it. Sure. And I don't blame them for that. Listen, I don't either. We do our best to try to do the walk around, but there's things that we may or may not see or know, and we don't know everything about everything. I or, mean, or have a buddy go out and, and take a look at it. I've had, I bought a truck in Alaska and knew somebody out there. Yeah. I said, go take a look at it because I'm not going to make it. You know that my lawyer's so good that by tomorrow you'll be working in a, a great <laughs> line from uh, Scarface. What a great movie. Uh, anyway, so last week, just last week, hmm. 
this is the areas and and cities and states that and countries that we sold cars to. Davidsonville, Maryland. Davidsonville, Bergtonville, Maryland. Davidsonville, Maryland. Never heard of it. Wyalusing, Pennsylvania. Vernon, New Jersey. Dover, Florida. <laughs> Sun City, Arizona. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I've heard of that. My grandfather lived in Sun City Center, Florida. Okay. My dad said he went down to visit him, for, and they went out for cocktails, dinner, after-dinner drinks, and <laughs> dancing, and they were home by 6.30. <laughs> I think Sun City, Arizona is a retirement, is mostly a retirement. That's what Sun City, Florida is. So uh, we sold one to Maryville, Illinois. Hmm. I didn't say noise, so right. not a hillbilly. Holidaysburg, Pennsylvania. Okay. Rome, Pennsylvania, (laughs) Kimberton, Pennsylvania, Chester Springs, Pennsylvania, Casablanca, Morocco. Really? Sold one. The 1886 Benz Patton Motor Wagon down at Hershey. Wow. Casablanca, Morocco. Doesn't that sound romantic? How do they get it there? Well, I would imagine either a ship Ship. or a, Mm -hmm. but maybe even a plane. I mean, who knows? We we sold a car one time to the King of Ghana. (laughs) I swear he came here. It was really. It's a whole other story. We got to get him in. I I got to write. I got to write this down to remember to do a whole show on just the King of Ghana story. We get him on the phone and interview him. Oh my God, it was fascinating, and he played golf when he was here, and he was in a golf shirt. We put him in a classic automobile hat. Oh, that's awesome. Took pictures and all that. So um, we uh, Templeton, Massachusetts, Mm. Aberdeen, South Dakota, and that may be our first car sold to to South Dakota. Mm -hmm. Granger, Indiana, Sunnyvale, California, Aldi, Virginia, Miami, Florida, Lethbridge, Alberta, Canada, Easton, Connecticut, and Astoria, New York. And that's just last week. That's amazing. So obviously your website is, it gets a lot of visits. Yeah. And, and you know, we have a map, uh, three maps in our main showroom. And we used to do a picture of every sold car until we were selling so many. <laughs> we're like, Walmart is completely out of 8 by 10 right. in the whole world. Like, we've completely taken them out of that and drip trip pans. You know, the, <laughs> yep. they look like baker yep. pans, yep. but they're oversized. We bought every one in the, on the whole planet. So, uh, but we have a, a wall that we put all the sold pictures. And people love looking at it, but it got out of hand. So now we're just putting the pins in it uh, for everyone that sold but I'm behind like 700 cars and you know it's like oh one of these days I want to put those pins in because I think it's fascinating it is to see that and people really gravitate towards that and look at that so I mean just to show you the diversity and again there's one two three four five seven seven or eight that are from Pennsylvania Mm -hmm. Uh, but out of 20 you know 22 cars or 22 cars it was actually what we sold so uh, but to go to Morocco to go to Chile um, cars that go to Europe is you know, we were talking about off the air that you know it's it's cheaper to ship a car to England than it is to to Oregon. Hmm. You know, is that right? I mean, it just it's a, because of the, the I think the you know the size and scope of the ship and you know the ability for it to carry. 800 cars or whatever they right. carry in those ships that mm-hmm. they can't seem to get offloaded, but that's a whole right. story. <laughs> Again, we're not talking politics, are we? <laughs> so we're going to avoid politics and religion, and, although I do have a funny religious joke that I may tell one day. But, All right. you know, maybe it'll be the last show. <laughs> <laughs> Whether you like it or not. Whether you like it or not. Not by design. I've been forced off the air by uh, somebody. Higher powers. Right? Well, as long as you're sponsoring it, you can say anything, you, can <laughs> well, say anything you want. That's true. You can say anything you want as long as, you know, do what you want with the women and children leave me alone. <laughs> but you know it's uh, it's a fantastic hobby and there's so many facets of it and there's so many people that you know we we've talked to lots of people out there uh, that the couple of months that we've really been thinking about doing this and actually doing it and uh, the response has been really good i mean people are you know eager to be on and 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 want to help support it and and want to you know help you know talk about classic cars right and there's so many interesting people in this hobby 
Yeah, and I th- and I think you mentioned you wanted you sort of want to expand the sales to other parts of the country, and I think you guys do. An, uh, not to blow smoke, right. but I, I just think you guys do a great job of taking photographs, describing the car as is, because I've been in here and I've seen every car and, sure. and read the descriptions, and it's really accurate. Yeah. And so, somebody in Sunnyvale, California, can feel confident that the car is well represented and there are some cars here that you just normally wouldn't see right. in the market. I, that's why guys buy from... We sell a lot of cars to California. Mm-hmm. I mean, California's a big car market. Mm-hmm. So, but I mean, we're about as far as you can get from California. For sure. But the other thing that we're really focusing on is bringing our consignments from a further distance. So our consignments come from about a 200, 300-mile radius as well because it's convenient and easy. Mm-hmm. But, you know, we look at auctions. You go to Monterey and there's cars from all over the world that, that are shipped directly to there and they may or may not sell and mm-hmm. they have to come back and and you know be shipped back home. Yep. And so and you've got ninety seconds to to make or break that that trip. That's right. With, with us, you got we do a ninety day agreement. So I mean, your car can come here. We can put it out on the market. We can you know do all the things that we do in our promotion and 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 the way we do it, and then in hopes that um, that that will get it sold for you in a timely mm-hmm. manner. But I mean, there's no reason that you can't bring a car from Florida mm-hmm. or from, and we get them from farther distance, sure. but the majority of them are from close, but, but our goal really and truly, if it's, you know, all cut and dry and comes down to it is we'd like to expand our consignment reach and start bringing in cars from Ohio and Indiana mm-hmm. and Kentucky and North Carolina and South Carolina, because we certainly ship them there to, to, to be sold. Right. And so no reason we couldn't consign from there as well. Makes sense. And we have an enough room we've got room for 1200 that's plus the cars. that's the key isn't yeah, it yeah i mean any time that i've done this before we had a smaller facility mm-hmm. and we had to second guess every car that came through the door and you can't do it right what's my car worth i have no idea <laughs> it's worth what this guy's willing to pay for that's it, right and you're willing to sell it for and I don't know what's the next car that's going to sell. And that's the boon and the bane of uh, what we do. I tell people if they're coming to Classic Auto Mall, wear comfortable shoes right. because this is a big place. I mean, it's like walking around the King of Prussia Mall, right. basically. Exactly. It's essentially what it is. Although we don't have Hermes or whatever you call that purse company. That, I don't know. Uh, no, we don't have any of the fancy <laughs> stores. There's no fancy stores here. It's just fancy, fancy cars. That's the other thing is that you're, the prices, these are not all million-dollar cars. Absolutely. You not. know, you've got $10,000 cars here, great starter, mm-hmm. collector cars. You've got something that was a daily driver like a Buick LeSabre, 74 sure. LeSabre, and everything else in between and, and all the way up to the to the original AC Cobra. Or, or the, yeah, the, yeah the Shelby a Cobra. real 289 Cobra we yeah. have in here, which I'm awfully proud of. And, you know, I mean, it's true. I mean, and we say, uh, you know, our, our one of our taglines is is our pride, your you know, your pride and joy is our pride and joy and and my friend Dave Murray who's a dealer down in Orlando I said that to him one time we were at the Simeon Museum at mm-hmm. an auction I think a Bottoms auction there or whatever and I said to him I said uh, well the way we work at Classic Automall is your pride and joy is our pride and joy and a couple minutes later he goes what did you just say a minute ago and I said your pride and joy is our pride and joy and he goes you got to use that trademark. So now, if you look on our ads where it says "Your Pride and Joy is Our Pride mm-hmm. Joy," there's a little circle in the corner with DM, and that's Dave Murray. And I showed him this at Hershey a couple of days uh-huh. ago. He didn't know that we were doing that's that. That's great. So it was like the E in Ford. You know that mm-hmm. E that it's tacked on into the kind of the middle of the Ford logo or up above, like near the F, is in tribute to Edison because Edison. This may be an old wives' tale. Mm-hmm. But supposedly because Edison uh, talked about talked to Henry Ford about doing a uh, assembly line, okay. and that's where. You, uh, assembly line idea came up so interesting yeah whether you know and again i you know who knows these stories that get thrown around and tossed around in classic car world who knows if they're true and you know i don't know right but 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 what is true is that every car including every car in this in this building has a story absolutely and that's that's why i think uh car smarts media is going to help classic auto mall tell those stories i think it's really important yes 
So Car Smarts Radio became Car Smarts Media because you decided that there's more you can do more and different and varied things instead of just being tied down to one thing, right? Terrestrial. I was tied to terrestrial radio, right, right. you know. So you know, that was kind of a how archaic. Yeah. Of you. <laughs> it's tough to get to people. It's tough to get people to listen, especially during car show season on a Saturday afternoon at eleven o'clock. So, right. Exactly. So I, we're doing a lot more now. We just. Uh, you know, invested in a, in a good camera and good equipment, and we're, we're one, more more visual. I think yeah. YouTube is where it's at, certainly. Me too, and I think this is something that, I mean, we, we feel very confident, uh, me and my partner, as well as everybody here, and as well as you guys feel confident that this – this show could really go somewhere. We've got a good opportunity here to do something. We have the ability to market this thing properly. We can spend the money and do what we need to do and mm-hmm. uh, and to start doing the remote stuff. Like next week, we're going to be coming to you live from the Chattanooga Choo Choo Motoring Festival. It's a concourse. It's racing. Uh, they've got a Mecham auction going on next week, and we're, we're going to have a great time. Yep. Are we- and that's it. That's it. That's, that's everything we I, have to talk is about. Is that the cue for my ending? <laughs> yeah. Are we at one minute? Do, do I have to wink at you or something? How's this work? I'm not oh, we have first. one minute now. So oh, we have one minute now. Uh, so, right. I will go through. It's tough being the engineer and the guest at the same time. <laughs> but I appreciate you having me today. And uh, it's, this it is a, fun. a great, great show. We're having a good time. Uh, we appreciate everybody listening to our show. And don't forget, when you're in southeastern Pennsylvania, come out and visit in person. We're open Monday, Tuesday, Thursday, and Friday from 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., Wednesday is our late day, and we're here from 9 a.m. to 8 p.m. That's about the fifth time I've hit the microphone with my hands. So much for being an engineer. <laughs> I thought you were an engineer and a oh, radio boy. guy. Come on. Saturdays, Rookie. we're open from 9 a.m. to noon, and we're closed on Sundays. Hey, we need a day of rest. We do. You can reach us by telephone at 888-227-0914 or via email at info at classicautomall.com. To reach the show, email us at podcast at classicautomall.com. I want to mention one thing, that it is yes. free to walk in this place. It is free. It's, it's, how do we make money? Volume. That's yep. we come say. in, visit anytime we're open. Anytime, come in, see us, ask us questions, talk to us, whatever you need to do. We're, we're here to, to help and uh, enjoy seeing everybody come through. Bring the family members. All we ask is don't touch the cars. Right. <laughs> I could say that to all the kids, and they look at me like I'm the Grinch. <laughs> like, What's that old man yelling at me about the cars? For? Got to. Well, yeah, you got to. But anyway, thanks so much for uh, being on, Steve and uh, Ethan. Thank you. Thanks for your uh, hard work today, and uh, we'll see you guys. Or hear, you'll hear us next week coming from Chattanooga. Take care, everybody. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.